welcome to my podcast, Thoughts on Plots, where we just talk about movies and how they make us feel. My name is Shay. I'm the host. And today we're joined by Dan. Dan, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your Substack, maybe? Yeah, sure. First of all, thanks for inviting me. This is awesome. This would be probably my, my first podcast that I record. But so I write a Substack of my own called Flow with Film. And basically, it's just film reviews and TV reviews that go in depth. Um, and really just, I really started it as a way for me to examine films and go deeper with films and deepen my own understanding of films mm-hmm. and to learn more. And like, if anybody reads and joins along, hopefully they they can learn more about film as well. Dude, I absolutely did. Because <laughs> <laughs> our Substacks, our newsletters kind of do similar things. And then when I read yours, I was like, you know, you actually have a different perspective than me, which is cool, which is always great whenever you're trying to have a conversation about things and just to learn more about, I guess, the world in general. Not too different that I was like, wow, I can't get along with this person, but you mm-hmm. had different analyses of movies that I watched, and I, I really like that. That's why you got my subscription, buddy. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah no and it's, it's always awesome supporting other people that are doing similar things, so that's why... I support you and are following you as well. And I enjoy your reading or oh, your writing. Thank you. Thank you. I try. It's a sometimes. Do, do you ever feel like it's a hassle? <laughs> um, the writing part? Yeah. <laughs> uh, some, some days it's tough. Like some days, like, like I, I just sit there and not, I'm not sure exactly how to write about something, but it's always worth it in the end. Cool. So actually today Dan's joining us so that we could talk about this very special movie that recently came out. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could describe this movie, like a logline. Do you know what a logline is, actually? Like a one-sentence description of what the film is. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we have one from IMDb, but like, if you were to just kind of give it one yourself, how would you describe it? Yeah. (laughs) That's a a tough one, but I think... I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the, um, for anybody that has seen the film, they'll, they'll know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But I would say it's about a Chinese-American woman who is worn down by everyday business and family struggles mm-hmm. and eventually discovers that there's a multiverse of possibilities of where her life could have gone. And she has to learn to harness all of them to do battle with a mysterious foe that threatens to destroy the fabric of reality. Yeah. The IMDb one says it is an aging Chinese immigrant swept up in an insane adventure where she alone can save the world by exploring other universes connecting with the lives she could have led. So it's basically, basically that. Do you think, (laughs) how do you think this is going to compare actually to when Doctor Strange comes out? The way the the Marvel multiverse is being built a little bit differently. And I think the way they approach the multiverse is different as well. With everything everywhere, it seems like the multiverse is more like it splits off depending on the choices you make. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with Marvel multiverse, all these worlds are separate worlds Mm. that are colliding. They're not necessarily branches in the same way that everything everywhere is. Because I think a lot of one of the central ideas of everything everywhere is kind of just the different choices you make and the consequences of them. For sure, for sure. Yeah, so with Spider-Man No Way Home, the Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire universes aren't created based on Tom Holland's choices. Mm. They're just separate worlds. 
So right. I think that there, there's a difference in the, in the approach. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know, because I was just recently talking about the DC multiverse. It's not too popular with their movies, but definitely in their TV shows and in their comics. And there have been a lot of, I guess, renditions or reiterations of their superheroes where small choices go off and have major consequences, like with the Injustice series and Batman and Superman. And when Joker does some pretty nasty things to people, but he goes a little too far. And so that in itself spawns a different multiverse in that mm. universe and i'm just like this is just so complicated <laughs> I, have, I have a hard time digesting time travel and like multiverse theories just because i want there to be some sort of logic so but it does make sense with the way that they developed it in everything everywhere all at once you know mm -hmm. what can you say about this movie why did this movie resonate with you it hits on so many levels and i think yeah <laughs> i think this is why it like resonates with so many other people is because mm -hmm. it's such a well-balanced movie Mm. because it could be funny and really silly but it could also be very serious and honest yeah and very those like, googly eyes yeah <laughs> and very like the characters are just so relatable and i think that's what really connects with me i can see elements of myself in every single character mm -hmm. and what they're struggling with i've been on the receiving end of an overly critical mother just like <laughs> joy has and it's like okay. it gets better dan i promise yeah <laughs> i haven't gotten there yet but like according to this movie it gets better <laughs> yeah according to this movie yeah it gives me hope and like even waymond he's kind of perceived as maybe weak or overly nice and mm -hmm. kind of like evelyn thinks he's always messing things up i felt that too like i've been called too nice for my own good and then evelyn herself kind of feels like she has all these possibilities but her current life just feels so mediocre and like she's not living up to her own standards and mm. all her dreams are kind of slipping away so like all these themes all these themes are very human and like very relatable so i think it resonates so hard because i've struggled with everything that these characters have struggled with Oh, absolutely. Universal feelings and emotions that everyone can kind of relate to. So a lot of the times when I see people talking about this movie, it's about the Asian American representation. It's about how this is very representational about that intergenerational relationship with our parents. And I thought it was actually really cool how it wasn't about the daughter. Because you know how a lot of the times in media that we consume, it's about the youngest person in a multi-generational family trying to break free, trying to make something of themselves or to go against tradition. But then here we have Evelyn, who is very much steeped in that tradition. She's trying to make her father proud. She's trying to make sure that her daughter is okay and awkwardly dancing around the topic of her sexuality and mm -hmm. trying to make sure that they don't give Gong Gong a heart attack and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But... There's that idea that she is trying to balance that American lifestyle with her traditional Chinese heritage. And it's such an awkward blend because she is the first generation immigrant. And a right. lot of news outlets that I've been seeing, a lot of articles that I read about this movie has been talking about how it's very Asian American representation. But I, I love that for us. I love how that's a thing and we have that kind of representation in Hollywood. But I also think it's really cool to note, especially how you said that this movie is universal. Like, you don't need to be Asian American to really enjoy it. And I think people get caught up in that little box, that label that we have that says, this is Asian American, this is the audience that it's for. And like, yes, knowing your audience is very important. But on the one hand, it's also just these feelings, you know? These feelings that everyone has of inadequacy, of being too kind in a world that's way too cruel. 
those are all things that we can kind of relate to. At least I hope so. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think it's interesting because when I was watching the movie, I didn't really consider it like a quote unquote Asian American movie. I just <laughs> was watching it as a movie. Like, obviously, it has predominantly Asian American cast, but yeah. I feel like that, that wasn't the reason why I watched it. I just watched it because it. I kept hearing that it was a great movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. Its reputation preceded itself. <laughs> right, exactly. You just heard so many good things about, I don't know how box offices work, but it was doing really well when it had its limited release. So that looked really, really good on paper. Mm -hmm. So it kind of made me want to watch. I actually watched it again last night. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I want yeah. to watch it again too. Yeah. Oh, dude. Honestly, it's really, really cool. I forgot the... Do you remember how it opens actually? Doesn't it open with her in her house or apartment? Yeah. She's doing her taxes, yeah. It has that really great shot in the mirror, oh, like right. the circular mirror. And yes, I just like yeah, that yeah. theme of circular things coming around, going around. Everything is a circle, you know? And my friend who I watched it with, I love watching movies with him because he always tells me something that just blows my mind. <laughs> and so after he watched the movie, he was just like, yeah, don't you know that to accept everything all at once? That's a very Buddhist principle how the Buddha sat under that tree for however many years and came to this enlightenment. It was just allowing yourself to be and letting everything happen and not to worry about it. And I was like, are you kidding? Wait, what? <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't remember that, but it's probably true. And like, that's actually amazing that it's drawing from the rich history and the rich culture that they have in China and in Southeast Asia. Yeah. I think that's another amazing thing about this film is that you can cut it in so many different directions because mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so loaded with like film references, with religion. You can look at it from a religious standpoint. Mm -hmm. You can look at it as a family drama, a martial arts film. Like there's just so much in here, yeah. but it never feels like anything is out of place. It all feels like it's one piece oh, somehow. Absolutely. Especially because it has so many multiverses because it does feel like it goes into a bunch of different genres. But because it's got that label of being a multiverse, it can branch off and be completely normal. Like, this is to be expected. Uh, yeah, that's that's the brilliant thing about the film is that it sets up, I guess, like a playground for them to just kind of do whatever they want yeah. <laughs> without it feeling weird. Or I mean, it is weird, but it, <laughs> it never feels um, unnecessary. Oh, it's it's definitely weird. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about this before, but if you compare it to Bollywood films sometimes, which is an unfair comparison in a sense, but Bollywood films also have this habit of trying to create movies that have multiple genres. So it'll be definitely a musical. There's going to be music in there. There's going to be dance. But they'll do like a family drama in there. The father dislikes the new son-in-law and so there's drama. Or like the mother-in-law is upset with the daughter. Or like the best friend comes in and like there's a school problem. There's a work problem. There's just so many things going on in so many genres that are just overlapping but in those kind of Bollywood films I feel like there's a very distinct separation so if you cut out the music scene that could be a music video all on its own if you look at the scene where the parents are fighting with the daughter that is a scene all on its own you can kind of snip around all of the scenes that don't feel like they belong to each other like that are different genres and then make a completely different movie but then here for everything everywhere it feels like everything's happening at the same time. Like, 
like it says, right, all at once. But it doesn't feel overwhelming. And I don't know, is that like the way that it was edited, do you think? Or is it just the way that the story was presented, maybe? It doesn't make it feel like we're getting too much information. I think a lot of it is with the way it's written and in the editing. There's this Vanity Fair video of the Daniels, the directors, and Michelle Yeoh kind of breaking down one of the first multiverse scenes. It's her getting attacked by Deirdre, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. Amazing. And at the, I love it. Yeah, and, yeah, and at the same time having a conversation with her husband in like a van mm -hmm. about getting a divorce. And they talked about that as kind of being a training wheel scene to kind of teach the audience how to watch the movie. Because uh. it's, it's like shifting between two locations, between an action scene with Deirdre attacking Evelyn and then like <laughs> the family drama stuff with the divorce and it's like switching back and forth. But since this is the first scene, they didn't get too crazy with it. So it's just like... <laughs> just wait too... though, it gets better. Yeah, like, yeah. This, this was a great scene. They pack in the punches. Mm -hmm. Everything's in a little clown car and they're going really fast. Right. But it doesn't feel wrong because you know that this is what the clown car is supposed to do. And they set that up really well in this movie. You're right, exactly. They th they take their time. Like it eases us in very gradually yeah. before it starts to get really crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't realize how weird it was until I took a step back and I was like, you know what? Why are there rocks on the screen right now? And we're reading subtitles as they talk. <laughs> that part was one of my favorites because it really took you out of the action and just gave you a moment to breathe. Because it's so action packed. It's so beautiful. The choreography is amazing. It's just really, really great in the action sequences. But sometimes when you have something that's going on for two hours and it's nonstop action, then it feels boring. You know, but it doesn't get to that point here because there's a lot of those lulls, but it doesn't feel forced. Yeah, they really know when to pause and when to take a breather. Like, yeah, one of the, the rock scene is, is like, that's one of my favorites as well, because it's such a <laughs> huge contrast mm -hmm. with what happened before that was it was so frenetic and fast paced. And then we just get the rock scene. It's just complete stillness and silence. Yeah. And I think you can attribute that to like they set up before mm -hmm. that we can watch a scene with rocks. <laughs> and it could still be funny yeah. and still be touching. Oh, <laughs> and man. we're just watching the subtitles. Yeah, absolutely. There, I remember also there's a scene when we first go into the Alphaverse, when we skip there to see Alpha Wayman. And then they're driving by in their little van and somebody's on the ground and he has a cardboard sign that says, Hail the Bagel. And when I first read that, I was like, Bagel? What the? What? <laughs> <laughs> bagel and then once it hits you at the very end when joy is just like i put everything on a bagel i was like oh this makes a lot of sense now so it was like that small little setup and payoff that was just absolutely enthralled with because that bagel is so important but it's such a silly thing like it's they so could have talked yeah. about anything like an infinity symbol, a circle, just anything being eternal. And here they are just talking about how a bagel has no beginning and no ending. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's the beautiful thing about this movie and why it's such a joy because it's it can ah, be joy. silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah joy. <laughs> it's also, willing to go to the extreme. Yeah. Yeah, that extreme with the rock scene. That was, I thought, really great because I remember an earlier conversation with the Waymond of Evelyn's universe and how he said, I can't talk to you unless nothing else is happening, unless we're just sitting there in the moment and I have your full attention. In that rock scene, that is when Evelyn has her full undivided attention for however many minutes. And so she can actually pay attention and listen to what Joy has to say because beyond that, it was mostly just them arguing, why aren't you like this? Why can't you do this? When they're rocks, they can't do anything. So they just have to listen to each other and just relax. 
in a sense. That's a really good point. Yeah, I didn't really think about it that way. But no, it's, it's such true. a silly scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love that scene too. <laughs> There's even a moment where in one of the, I guess the climax of the film where they're trying to chase each other mm-hmm. or Joy's trying to move away from her mother and they're just rocks still. And, yeah. <laughs> and Evelyn has googly eyes on her rock and yeah. they're just moving, chasing each other. And it's so emotional. <laughs> it's I cried. Yeah. Even when I watched it the second time, I like tears were escaping and falling into my mask. I mean, technically there are no no rules, right? They're just bouncing mm-hmm. through each multiverse, struggling through everything. They turn into pinatas at one point. That the rock's moving, even though logically it's impossible for that to happen. They can do that, but it's also just a nice little note to the human experience. Mm-hmm. If you had to look at this movie overarchingly, what would that be? I would say, I think it's about finding peace in the everyday and the mundane and finding peace even in a world that's full of chaos and confusion that it it could seem pointless at times, Mm. that it's important to find ways to appreciate the people that you have around you and the relationships that you've nurtured with them. Absolutely. I like that theme a lot about just being present, being able to watch people that you either grew up with or went to high school with and seeing them succeed and then feeling a little depressed about being where you are. But the thing is, like, everybody is on their own journey and the journey is the most important part. Being there, being present for how you're going to get to the end result is so important. But a lot of the times we get caught up in trying to race ourselves or other people who don't even know we're racing to a finish line that doesn't really exist. So being aware of that and being mindful that this existence is kind of all we have. I know there are kind of other philosophies that if you mess up here, it'll be fine and you can mm-hmm. do something else in your next life. My best friend tells me that all the time whenever things go <laughs> awry. She's just like, that's okay, though. <laughs> I'll just do better in my next life. And I'm like... What about this one? It's not it's not irredeemable right now. We can fix right. things. <laughs> but absolutely that idea of just trying to make things work, trying to be happy with what you have and to accept it. Even if it's not exactly what you want, it's still something that you've worked for. and celebrating those small successes are always great. I actually thought the main theme of the movie was to be kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that resonated with me too and yeah, and it comes from from Wayman kind of delivering his monologue for why he is kind and why it's a necessity for him. Absolutely. Yeah, and even though people perceive him as weak, his kindness is his strength and it's the way he navigates the world. And Gong Gong said at one point that Wayman was too sweet for his own good. I guess I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> he really was just kind of super sweet. He didn't want to argue with anyone, which if you think about story tropes and character tropes, the American male in media is usually represented as strong. It's Bruce Willis and Die Hard. (laughs) It's someone who is very capable and can do anything. And then the Asian trope that kind of America pushes out is the idea of somebody who's quiet and subservient. Mm -hmm. We're very, in general, when they group Asians in media together, it's very docile Mm -hmm. and we're just quiet unless they decide to throw the stereotype of the dragon lady in there or something. But for the most part, very quiet. So I liked Wayman's character because he was such a sweet character, but he had that dichotomy of he is technically an American male, but he doesn't aspire to those ideals of being really buff and like the man of the house. 
but he also represents that Chinese one, but doesn't do it very well because Evelyn's the one with the reins, the one who takes control. Right. I think it's really empowering to see masculinity portrayed that way. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so it's not so like hyper masculine to the point of toxicity and aggressiveness where you can be strong, even if you're a kind, soft-spoken person, there could be a strength in that. And he really gets his chance to shine in, in that Hong Kong universe where yeah. everyone's a movie star and he's like dressed in a really suave suit <laughs> and he just, he looks great. And yeah, just seeing him like that, so calm and composed, like, I think that's his true self. That's who he really is deep down inside. It was uh, kind of weird seeing all those universes though and thinking, were they really meant to be together? Because he becomes a successful businessman in America. And then Evelyn became a successful martial arts superstar. And so they are both very successful if they didn't right. go to. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. It's possible that they could live more lavish lives separate from each other. But at the same time, I think they would, this is just me guessing, but I feel like at some point they would feel lonely. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and maybe disconnected. And that's why Wayman has that line where he says, I would gladly do laundry with you and, and do your taxes or, or something along those lines he did i oh that was such a great line it was absolutely <laughs> completely random because he doesn't know about the other multiverses and so he's just pulling that out and saying i just care and love about you enough that this would have been enough mm -hmm. you would have been enough and that was so emotionally impactful right exactly so i think eventually they would have realized that they do need each other or they, they do want to be together just, it was also really funny when Evelyn first sees her Hong Kong self and she's just like, I need you to see this Wayman. I was so happy without you. Because <laughs> yeah. that, that's I've, I've met some Asian parents who literally say that to each other, but it's not in any way a point to hurt them. It's like, I need you to be aware of this logistical fact that, that I would have been fine and you would have been fine. Things would have been fine if we hadn't gotten together. It's so entertaining to see that kind of emotional nuance and characteristics being portrayed on the screen. Like when Evelyn calls Joy fat. And, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and earlier Joy says, if she calls you fat, that means she loves you. And then she comes out and she says, getting fat. I'm just like, the emotional damage right there. Yeah, right. Exactly. And that, that really resonated with me too, because... Yeah, it resonated I in my empty, cracked heart that hurt a lot. <laughs> because i know at least my own mother like i know she cares but she she cares in a way that could be very like abrasive i know like evelyn wanted to say something more poignant and like loving mm -hmm. but she has no other way to express it so it just comes out as saying you're getting fat <laughs> so that totally spoke to me when i remember the first time i watched it in the theaters and, and they said that line somebody was just like what <laughs> like they couldn't believe that the mother had said that so brazenly to the daughter and i was like man you must be white i'm sorry <laughs> like you must be of a different ethnicity because like this this is a thing not even just from my parents sometimes because they try not to do that anymore but mm -hmm. like from relatives you know going to those family parties or they haven't seen you in a while, and instead of commenting on your height, they ask you about your relationships or how school going. Mm -hmm. Most importantly, are you eating? <laughs> but maybe you're eating too much. But you know, since you're at this party with the food I made, you have to eat even more. And that's just... That's their love language. That's how yeah, yeah. they show their affection with their food 
because that's I, I want to say that's the best representation of culture. Food really does bring people together and it showcases people's heritage in ways that you can't really do a documentary or if you're going to a special event that they have. It's the food that brings everyone together. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's it's an interesting irony because they always want you to eat their food, but they complain that you're getting too fat. And then <laughs> <laughs> and then if you if you're too skinny, they'll tell you like you're too skinny. Like there's there's never like a perfect version of yourself. There's always gonna be something they'll find. They're yeah. all fixer uppers. They just want you to be the best version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Well, if you're gonna go out and represent us, you have to be like good enough. <laughs> right, exactly. It's all about the way things look, I think. <laughs> so like that's kind of how Joy's outlook on the world is. She is a second generation, so she's grown up with those kind of expectations and those experiences. So would you agree, maybe disagree with Joy's outlook on the universe, maybe? I guess do you mean the joy, like the Jobu Tabaki joy? Because mm -hmm. like, <laughs> okay. I, I think the main joy, the jo <laughs> the character joy herself, when she's just emotional and fighting with her mom, that that hits a chord. But then yeah. when it gets to the Jobu jo Chewbacca, I can't remember, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the Tabaki one, uh -huh. and they're like trying to come to terms with existing everywhere all at once. Then she has some really poignant things that she says to her. And so do you agree with that kind of negative outlook? Because Joy was very, I've experienced so much and I know that there's nothing good left to see in this world. Mm -hmm. And so she had the opposite side of Waymond where Waymond was just like, you have to choose kindness. And Joy was just like, what's the point? Would you agree more, I guess, with Joy or Waymond's outlook? I feel like maybe in my earlier years, I might have agreed with Joy's outlook, just feeling like things I do don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. So like, what's the point of doing anything at all? But I think in more recent years, I've kind of learned to appreciate the life I've had more. <laughs> yeah, it comes with age and like, I adopted a dog. <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah. You send uh, me a picture, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will definitely. Cool. She's super cute. Yeah, I love her. And yeah, now I have a significant other. So it's like I'm gathering thing more things that I really care about. So life just has more purpose and meaning and, and positivity in it. Yeah. So I think I I definitely relate more to, to Wayman now. I think I'm on the same wagon ride of being younger following along with joy's negativity but like now that i'm old it's like things only really affect you if you let it affect you i think there's a line from the princess diaries or something where the butler the security guard is just like no one can make you feel inferior without your consent and i know that's from like princess diana or something mm -hmm. that really hit me when i was younger in that movie mm -hmm. but it's kind of the same it's if you look at it from wayman's point of view you should enjoy the little things it's all of the little moments of life that make it worthwhile it's not some grand existence experience at the very end of the day that's gonna make it feel worthwhile it's all of the little things that you do right exactly even in the mundane you know there, there can be beauty in that too so i definitely agree with your outlook that but i also want to say that for joy and jobo that one <laughs> Like, she's pretty young, uh -huh. maybe 23, 24, mm -hmm. but like, she doesn't have that person. Like, there's Becky. Becky is great. Love Becky. Becky with the good hair. <laughs> but realistically, Joy doesn't have that kind of support. Like, she has Waymond as well, but not in the same way that Evelyn does. And so she's kind of just kind of lost and no one's there to guide her. And the fact that her mother comes in and is that guiding force speaks mm -hmm. a lot about like, a mother-daughter relationship 
which is so powerful. Like anytime they have mother daughter relationships, I'm just like, this can go one of two ways. It can be really good or it can be like really, really, really bad and abusive. And mm -hmm. I'm happy that they went with the former. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, we actually haven't even touched on the mother daughter stuff yet. And that's, that's it's like really a powerful. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, but like speed round, what, what do you think about that entire mother-daughter relationship? I thought it was great. And I think the way they even use the multiverse as kind of a, a metaphor. Yeah. Because Evelyn pushes, pushes joy because she sees potential in her. Mm -hmm. So she pushes her to the breaking point. And I think a lot of parents can do that too. They push the child into a place where they don't even care about what they're doing anymore. And I think that's what happened to Joy with the powers that she has in the multiverse. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I think that that's such a resonant theme. And then them coming back together, finding each other again, I found that just really powerful and really effective. And even when Jobo Topaki was created, mm -hmm. then that, I think she was Evelyn's daughter as well. Right. Right, so it's like definitely that entire thing was exactly what you said about a mother forcing her expectations on the daughter a little too much and it completely shattering into a hundred billion little pieces. Mm -hmm. And that's very relatable mm -hmm. to modern day people, but also from a very multiverse kind of standpoint. It's cool how we can see all of the different verses Joy has been able to jump through, but all of it has been like all of the same corruption and hurt that she feels. So there's that universal pain that even though, yeah, we're all doing our own things in the universe, that seed of pain is going to be with you no matter what. So it feels like even though in this multiverse scenario, these lives that you have are going to branch off into other things, but it also feels like there's going to be that one moment. There's something that really does define a lot of your personalities in all of those universes that's going to be universal. It's really sad when you think about it. It is sad. Yeah, it is Because like, how are you supposed to bounce back from that? They do in the movie in a way, but realistically, how can you do that in real life? Because I don't know if you got this feeling, but when Joy was asking to mm -hmm. just like go into the bagel, one with the bagel, that's like still very Buddhist. But it was also very scary because it sounded like a suicidal thought mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that she was begging for help. She was desperately reaching out, but she also didn't want to allow her mother back into her life so that she could hurt her again. And so that was a very conflicted moment where I wanted Joy to be helped, but also when someone is in that much pain and they've seen that much hurt and then who are you to kind of say, no, you have to live for me. Even if you don't want to, you have to be here for the family, for the culture. I couldn't bring myself to say, you know what, you should survive, but also like, I, I, that's not my place to say, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think they did a really good job of Evelyn saying her piece and being that rock for lack of a better analogy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's the way to reach her was through kindness and finally coming to terms with Evelyn, coming to terms with her own mistakes as a mother. Yeah. And finally owning up to them and finally offering a hand of apology to her daughter and to open her heart again to kindness. And I think, yeah, going back to the theme that you talked about of, of being kind, I think that's where it really kind of comes into play. It's just when someone's struggling that hard and they're, they're in that much pain, the only thing you can offer is kindness. And I think that's the only thing that can really bring them back. Yeah, just choosing to be kind. Out of anything, all of the things you could do, because I think Joy mentions everything's so bad out there. It doesn't matter. It's just going to spawn off something else. Someone else is going to do something bad. So what's the point of being good? 
But then Wayman completely counters it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, it feels like there, there's a spectrum. And Evelyn is in the middle of it. Wayman's on the kindness side, and Joy is on the other side. Evelyn is, like, teetering in the middle, but she's actually the one holding it all together. She's the glue of the family. Mm-hmm. And... Once she realizes that she needs to go follow Wayman, she's going to allow that glue to spread. Right, exactly. Do you have a favorite character? I think mine was Wayman. <laughs> I would say Wayman as well. Yeah. yeah. I know, like, I loved Evelyn. Absolutely. She's great. But also, just Wayman is such a sweetheart. He was just trying his hardest, his darndest. This man was just giving his all, and he didn't understand what was happening. It's stabbed in the side and goes like, please be nice to each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, yeah. I mean, I really relate to him. I mm. think I related to him the most. And yeah, he, <laughs> and he's like an awesome martial artist at the same time. Oh, he's, he's like a, the full range of every possible human. Oh, yeah. He's like, <laughs> so just in general, he is just the peak of human existence. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a favorite scene? I think we probably touched on a couple of them mm-hmm. like the rocks the rocks <laughs> yeah um the stuff in hong kong which is kind of like a nod to one car Wai films which That's i great. love yeah, that was like oh man these these guys they know what they're doing <laughs> <laughs> um and and one that just made me laugh really hard was when we first see the hot dog scene oh my god <laughs> and then someone asked like how how did we get to this hot dog universe and they they show like the apes Oh, in the, a, a 2001 The Space Odyssey reference. And yeah. the apes have hot dog hands. Oh, man, this is so funny. That was, that was so, yeah, that was, I also laughed at that. It made me cringe because I was uncomfortable <laughs> with how squishy and flippy uh-huh. they looked. But absolutely, that whole sequence was great. Same though, I very much enjoyed the rock scene. I think also the, uh, the fight sequence, I don't know their name. But with the security guard mm-hmm. had no pants on, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. the like IT guy who kept trying to take his pants off as mm-hmm. well. <laughs> that entire fight sequence was one of the best, in my opinion. Yeah, that was such a shock. <laughs> <laughs> that part was great, and the dog scene uh-huh. in the little lunch room break room of the IRS building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That when I saw it the first time, I was like, no. Please, for the love of God. And then as soon as it cuts from that dog scene to her in another universe as a chef, I had uh-huh. so many, so many <laughs> feelings flashing through my mind and my body. And I was just like, please, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like the shot of her like using her knives and yeah. you think she's going to like cut up the dog or something. Yeah. And I was just like, there are too many bad stereotypes and things I've read <laughs> on the news. This is not good. But I was also just like hooked because I wanted to know, are they going to do it? Yeah, thankfully they didn't, they but didn't, it was still yeah. pretty extreme. It was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. So I think those ones, just because, like like you said, with the sausages, the sausage fingers and the apes, the way they cut around that scene just made it so funny, but also so intense. And it just, it gelled really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. What would you say makes this movie unique? Would you recommend it to a friend, maybe? I would definitely recommend this to everybody. <laughs> I can. Just, just- Reach it at the top of a Yeah, exactly. Everyone has to see this movie, please. Yeah, definitely. I'm trying to spread the word as much as possible because this is, it's such a rare cinematic experience to have a movie like this that can just stretch your emotions in this many different directions and do it so well. I didn't and, feel tired at the end. I was so energized. I was like, I want to make a movie like that. Well, yeah. So like, this was so amazing. I'm just kind of floating on cloud nine because <laughs> of how good it is. 
Yeah, and I spent like the next few days just constantly thinking about it. Like, man, that was so good. Like, no matter how you cut it, it's just so good. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> and I think it's just like what everyone has already been saying. Like, it's it's funny, it's dramatic, it's touching, it's got great action. Like, it has basically everything you would want in a movie is is in this movie. It's so confident. On, on the one hand, when it's action, it's usually just full on action. There's not a lot of emotional nuance in there, but then. For here, there's just those small moments where we get in-depth looks of the people. And that just speaks so much on how well it was directed and acted. And it, in a sense, I, I, I don't know, A24, I like their movies for the most part. <laughs> a lot of the movies they have, I would say, are indie films that deserved more money and were able to create it. Like Marcel the Shell with shoes on <laughs> that played at the beginning of the movie uh -huh. in the trailers. That one started as, as a short in 2010 on YouTube, mm -hmm. and they're creating it into like a full-length documentary narrative thing, and that's great. And so a lot of these movies that A24 produces kind of feels like if an indie film had enough money, what would happen? And so everything, everywhere, all at once, to me, feels like a breath of fresh air. Yeah, It's so definitely. different from what Hollywood is expecting us to put out that it just feels so unique. Yeah, it's it's so incredible how how they pulled this off with such a small budget. Mm -hmm. Like it was like twenty five million dollars, and like <laughs> yeah, like you compare like Spider Man No Way Home, that's like two hundred million dollars. Like, and they, I feel they, like all of that went to like the green suit he's wearing, <laughs> <laughs> the green screen, the the graphics, the effects they needed. To yeah, put all in. the special effects. Yeah, and for everything everywhere, it was like five visual effects artists. Mm -hmm. um, Amazing. And, yeah props and to them. yeah totally and just the amount of inventiveness and like creativity they had to just work with that small budget and to still pull off a multiverse concept i think that's what makes it so fun is that it required creativity it, mm -hmm. they had to do it this way oh, otherwise I, it wouldn't work would you say from like a cinematic standpoint that this movie had a lot more practicals in it because like all of the fighting was really cool them breaking into windows and walls and stuff that was probably a practical mm -hmm. do you think that maybe that had an effect on our appreciation of the movie i think i think so yeah they they talk about the directors talk a lot about their use of practical effects even when you don't think it is a practical effect <laughs> like they talked about um when evelyn is first being swooped into the janitor's closet and it's like everything's like whipping really fast like mm -hmm. they, they did that all in camera they just shot it uh, I had a feeling <laughs> that like I love when things are practical because at some point you can kind of tell when something is a VFX. Love it. It's great. But it just doesn't age well. Technology is its own worst enemy because it's mm -hmm. always moving so fast, so much better than it was last year. And so when you do practical effects like that, it just feels so much more organic and it'll hold up. And like if you watch it in 10 years, I feel like with the lighting design and how everything felt like it was very realistic that it's it's gonna be good even in 10 years yeah it has that feeling of weight to it mm -hmm. um and like i think subconsciously we as an audience can pick up on that mm -hmm. and i think that's what makes it work so well is because they're not really leaning so hard on the visual effects there definitely are but they keep it as practical as possible wait you're telling me that, that pinky scene is a vfx <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah Oh, no, I thought that was all real. I thought that if I did push-ups like that, I'd be able to go flick someone off with my pinky. Yeah, dang. Darn. I know, right? There goes my summer plan. That was the entire way I was going to get my summer body. Only on my pinky. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have any last thoughts about this movie? Anything that you just thought of and like, oh, I need to get this out. I need to say this now about this movie. It's so good. It's this is it. <laughs> I would say okay. So this is has become one of my favorite films of all time. For sure. <laughs> um, and I think you should definitely try to see it in a movie theater if you can, because mm. watching this with a bunch of other people that are laughing and crying at the same time, it's like, it's a very fulfilling communal experience. And I think a film like this doesn't really happen all that often. When people say once in a blue moon, this is really once in a blue moon. That's just how quality this movie is. <laughs> yeah, definitely agree. The audience experience, it's, it's, it's a little hard, but the pandemic still kind mm -hmm. of raging at closed doors but if you go out maybe with a mask on sit away from other people <laughs> yeah here. definitely yeah be safe be safe definitely obviously. be safe <laughs> but it really does feel great also that community of just being together after not for a few years uh, i feel like the emotions were supercharged as well <laughs> just mm -hmm. like you're laughing i'm gonna laugh too because it feels so nice to hear another human being oh my god <laughs> Yeah, and everyone's kind of on the same wavelength. Like they're feeling the movie, and you could sense it. It's, yeah, everyone it's just different... loved it. There wasn't like people started clapping. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I only see this happen at the end of Marvel movies. But also, right, exactly, they're, they're kind of dominating the movie scene right now. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So like, yeah, it just felt really, really nice. It's very fresh. It's very fresh, and it's nice to see some people enjoy a movie that's not a Marvel movie. Like yeah. Marvel movies are fun. Like you said, they're dominating. So it's nice to see like a small little indie film get kind of the same respect that a Marvel film does. Yeah, especially with how much it does. The emotional baggage in an action flick that we usually don't get. It's just so well done. And like the best part is that it's not even trying to compete on the same field as those other movies. It just stands alone as it is. Which is hard to say because the Multiverse of Madness is coming out soon. <laughs> but it feels like it's existing <laughs> it doesn't care about the competition it's really just there it's vibing all on its own in its own category just existing and people are absolutely loving it but but if there are other things that gotta are gonna come from it like tv series or another movie that would be cool i'd like to see mm -hmm. how they do that <laughs> but it's so self-contained that sense that you can enjoy it as is. so it would be nice for a spinoff but it's not necessary yeah, which is refreshing. Like, it's it's nice to have a standalone movie every once in a while. <laughs> you don't have to keep too many facts in check. It's like, okay, I didn't understand it, but you know what? Pretty lights. Nice <laughs> action sequence. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I definitely, as a parting, as a last thing, also recommend this movie. It's so great. It's so unique. It's really a wonderful experience. And I don't know, I can't make you watch this movie, but in a world of choices and different things that we can do, I really do hope that this is one of those things. Yeah, beautifully said. <laughs> I've been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely go check out Dan's Substack. I'll be linking somewhere, I don't know where yet, but I know I'm going to be <laughs> linking it. <laughs> and then do you have any other socials that you might wanna um, share, Dan? I had a Twitter, but I don't think, I'm, <laughs> I'm not active on Twitter anymore. I, right. I think, yeah, just <laughs> Twitter scares me. check out my Substack if you can. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dan. It's been wonderful. I feel like I could talk about this movie realistically for hours on end. <laughs> I also realized that's just not healthy. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to put a little nice little bow on this and maybe unpackage it at a later date. But thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been great having you. 
Sure. Thanks for having me. It's yeah, this is really fun. I love talking about this movie too. So yeah. I'm open <laughs> to talk about it again at any time. <laughs> Absolutely. Once we once we like analyze it, and once I watch a couple more director videos, I'll be like, hey dad. <laughs> yeah, like, like doing deeper dives once we actually get the video. Yeah. Like, the Blu-ray or whatever, yeah. Oh my god, if they have like a director's cut, so good. Yeah, like, side note, like <laughs> I've been like um, listening to panels and like apparently there's a lot of stuff that they cut out that they just kind of fit in. They could have a whole nother movie. This was a two hour and a half movie. They could have made it four hours. But then have it. Titanic was how long? Avatar was how long? <laughs> Choose me. Not only would we so.